Hello and welcome to the Kent Voices podcast with me, your host, Charlie Gurr. So today, we're going to be looking at how relationships are portrayed in the media and also how they're portrayed in popular culture. And we've got some people who are going to be joining us to discuss that. So would you like to introduce yourselves, everyone? I'll go first. <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm Zed, so I'm the Student Union President at Kent Union this year. I'll go next. I'm Tom and I'm Vice President Welfare and Community at Kent Union. My turn, I guess. Hi, I'm Christina. I'm um, president of Respect the Note 2022-2023. Hi, I'm Shikami. Um, Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Just graduated. Hi, my name is Basma. I am a doctoral researcher. Hi, um, my name is Philippa. I'm the campaign and project assistant for Consent Get It Full Stop campaign, um, or at least I was until today. Hello, my name is Camilla and I'm the campaign and communications assistant and I will be taking over from Philippa. Hi, I'm Becky. Um, I'm the Specialist Wellbeing Manager um, here at the University of Kent. Okay, so obviously with relationships can be portrayed in a variety of different ways throughout popular culture, whether it's film, whether it's music. Um, Does anyone have any initial thoughts about that and uh, how they feel it's uh, portrayed? I think that, and this is not in a bid to destroy anybody's favourite movies or series or anything of the sort, but then I think there's just a general carelessness in taking particular things into consideration. And I think it's more also to do with just the business aspect of it and the thinking of, well, we want to get money or we need this plot to be entertaining. And rather than thinking about the actual effects that it has. And I think we've spoken about and it's going to be spoken about um, as we go on, but then yeah, just a general carelessness as to with regards to um, inclusion as regards to age just different things and I think there needs to be a change people normally say that they go to watch movies to get away from everything happening around the world but then I think that movies film music pop culture in general is a reflection of our society and it's also instrumental in changing the culture that we currently have I completely agree with Femi I think it honestly is very careless uh, in pop culture the portrayal of relationships has been unrealistic from the time I started watching TV, you know, even from like the teen shows on Disney Channel and stuff like that expectation of what a normal relationship looks like has been unrealistic. You know, it, we grow up and we realize it's not all um, rainbows and sunshine and stuff. It's not it's nothing like that. Um, and you, I think our generation has kept a an expectation like that and their expectations are broken so that's why it's really hard to maintain a relationship nowadays because your expectations aren't what they should be or they're not of compromise of though they're not what they used to be before tv and media really blew up i guess as well part of of what what we'll be doing today is to look at some of those those films that people have just accepted the relationships that are being portrayed and actually saying, is that okay? So for example, um, films where college and high school students are played by males who are like in their thirties, twenties or thirties. And, and, and then they are going out with, with younger women who are, well, they're girls, you know, and just actually looking at whether that is appropriate or not. I think just to pick up on what Becky was saying, um, one of the issues with that and is kind of like the target audience of those films and shows. And I, I have like multiple instances in my mind right now. So I, I was thinking, you know, 
pretty realized and usually young adult romances tend to do that quite a bit and even like books it's not it's not just um films and tv shows at all but they tend to portray these relationships as super healthy and you're meant to be rooting for them and actually you find yourself rooting for them when you're that age and really kind of like oh they look so cool and especially because they're all so pretty as well so it works really well um and then you realize that there's racism pretty lies it was a student, a high school student, she was probably 16, 17, dating a guy with a full English degree already, so probably in his 20-somethings, and you're rooting for them, and only when you become much older are you able to kind of distance yourself from that and realize that that's not healthy at all, and the same thing happens, I think, in music. I think in music, and, and this goes back to what Shikami was saying, that the, the aim is to be trendy and the aim is to be catchy and to be played on the radio and um, in clubs. So you end up with songs that, are, that no one stops to actually listen to the lyrics, but they, the, the lyrics are just incredibly wrong. They're just very catchy. And I, I, I think the most common example that pretty much everyone knows is Blurred Lines and how that song just radiates terrible energy, in my humble opinion. I think going off of what Philippa just said there, I've got an example that kind of where we don't stop and think about lyrics. And one song that I kind of I thought about was um, Rihanna and Eminem's song, Love the Way You Lie. And it kind of like, it's like one lyric in particular is like, high off your love, drunk from your hate. And it kind of like romanticizes the kind of, feeling of the negative aspects that you should in, like enjoy and that they it just is really weird and kind of something that I'd like to ask everyone almost is like you know we listen to these songs but how much does it kind of un- develop a like subconscious to- tolerance for harmful behaviors for like, like from your partner to just accept it as as love and that it's part of a relationship but for me in terms of songs I think it does create this sort of culture of like that relationships are supposed to be difficult and you know the it sort of promotes that idea of like um all the games that everyone plays and and that if you you know you can be devastated but you you it's almost romantic to put up with someone's rubbish um yeah, that's what I think. I mean, I grew up in the um, the era of Sex in the City, um, and you know some of the things that are shown in there, um, and some of the obviously seeing those series now with sort of modern eyes, there are definitely some problematic things that happen in there. But even that, just as a, as um as a whole series, it promotes this idea of. Um, difficult relationships and and that being the person's primary focus when actually there's a whole lot of other things going on in people's lives but it it, it does it sort of um gets under your skin and shows you what as a as a as a woman uh, in her 20s or 30s that's what your life should look like and you do you do take that in and sort of absorb it um i think I personally am just a person that like, I'm like just as human beings, we absorb everything around in our environment. And I think songs are not um, as any different. I know that there are different laws with regards to songs, particularly like more violent ones and just things like that. And I used to think when I was younger that I was just singing lyrics 
and it was just lyrics. I sometimes I wouldn't even know the words or the lyrics I'm actually singing. And then sometimes I, I started as I started becoming aware of just everything around me. I started paying more attention to it. I think the issue then becomes when people are like stuck in the beat, and then you're enjoying the beat, you're enjoying whatever it is that's going on, and you're not, and that sort of draws you in, if that makes sense. And then people then find it difficult to separate or to not even listen to the song in general because they're already loving the beat and enjoying it. And I think that that's why particularly, but again, it just goes back to like business and everyone trying to make profit. And I just, a quick thought that I had, um, but separate to this is with regards to, there's a there's the series that's like trending right now and that's never have I ever, and everyone loves it for South Asian representation. I mean, there's there, there's criticism to it, my personal criticism and why I've just not watched it. And I know people do. So, but then um, it's because I found out that the actor, the main guy was 32 and she was 20. And I just had a problem with that. And people say, well, they're just acting like he's acting like he's in high school. So there's not, there's not actually an issue, but then there is particularly when a relationship may be building. And we've had instances where actors start dating afterwards and you're helping to push or ignite that relationship Sigan just said I agree I think it also as well moving on to like films a lot of um directors end up casting older adults to then portray younger people and then get away with promoting sexual themes you know with the age demographic but with adults portraying that age but also as well so with stories both in films and in books especially when the target demographic is younger a lot of toxic relationship dynamics get promoted no problem i i was gonna just build on those points as well i think we all kind of have identified this that people in songs, movies, any type of media, just pop culture, they fetishize and romanticize manipulation. They've, you know, these things are considered to be sexy or, you know, they're, they're traits that people want to really um, prove like, oh, it's all coming from a place of love. It's not, you know, you're, you're romanticizing these um, actions and these, the way that people are acting making them seem like they're good when they're not um and that happens throughout like of pop culture in every aspect um you know we were i think i i was watching call me by your name um and it's like great for lgbtq plus representation it was one of the you know biggest films to promote a gay relationship but it was again fetishizing that thing that's been that's been so kind of focused on in the LGBTQ community and it's that age gap. It's between someone whose uh, character is 17 and then the other character is about 28. You know, that's a, that's a massive difference. Um, the actors even themselves, like <laughs> Timothy Chalamet was 21 when he acted in that and Army Hammer was like 38. <laughs> like he was like really old. So that whole dynamic is what they try to romanticize. They were like, this is a really great relationship. and. To be fair, like, okay, like, it did seem like it in the book, in the movies, but when you really delve into it, is that really what, or the, like, the entire 
LGBTQ plus representation boils down to is um, young boys liking older boys. Like it's, it just doesn't make sense. And that's what the portrayal we kind of expect from in the LGBTQ community, like representation is all good, but that rep- is a representation is only focused on a certain aspect uh, of LGBTQ plus relationship. What about all the other relationships, all the other facets that people have, like why can't LGBTQ plus representation in movies and their relationships be the same as heterosexual ones or heteronormative ones where they meet in high school or anything like that? Like it, that kind of grinded my gears a lot when I kind of delved into it and really understood it. No, that's actually such a good point, Seth, because I, I think what tends to happen is all romantic stories have been kind of sold already that they feel like if they create something like that with a gay couple, then they're just going to repeat it when there's obviously so a lot of differences and, and nuance that should be embraced. And I think that nuance is something that I think is part of the reason why we, we're having this conversation even, is that, you know, because it's so focused on being entertaining and, and so on, it kind of, the film industry and, and, and TV shows and so on, they kind of like make it so that all uncomfortable moments are massively hidden. So you have these, um, couples who just have a fight and thinking of like the sex in the city it's just like oh yeah Mr. Big hasn't messaged in ages he hasn't got called in ages how you know and that's a massive deal and that's you know kind of makes her want him even more which is so unhealthy and then other things like having fights and then just fully not talking for ages and coming back together and suddenly it's all massively romantic and 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 it's all sorted out and you don't actually have the conversation that one needs to have in a relationship to fix whatever was going the wrong way, if that makes sense. Like Rousseau, uh, we want it to be entertaining so bad that we cannot sit with discomfort at all. We cannot sit with uncomfortable situations in comfortable conversations and um, the uncomfortable moments, even during sex and so on. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why um, normal people was massively praised recently because of their ability to portray exactly that the really awkward moments where there's just awkward silence and and that's okay because if you're in a relationship with someone you know you're going well if you can sit in awkward silence with them if you can be in an uncomfortable situation with someone that's when you know you got the right person at least for that moment (laughs) right so it's it should be something that should be massively romanticized because it's such a healthy and great um, sign of a healthy relationship one of the things that I was thinking listening to people was this idea of of the age gap and an age thing being a problem and I just wondered if we could be a bit more on the nose with what we're talking about here and why that's problematic and I guess for me the tricky thing with an age difference is when we're talking about power dynamics and there being an unequal power thing that's going on and typically when we're talking about someone who's much older maybe sometimes if they're in a position of power such as a teacher or someone like that that's where the problem lies because that power dynamic creates a vibe that that maybe makes people feel as though they they don't have as many choices as they would with someone who's the same age and I wondered if there was an element of that because often as we spoke about that is fetishized a lot within LGBT relationships and and to just talk about maybe what that what's going on there um yeah just wanted to open that up really 
I think I, I want to kind of chime in here as well. I think it's so true, Becky, you're right. Like it, that whole power dynamic is really toxic. You know, you immediately feel intimidated when someone's older than you. And that's just the way we've grown up as well. You know, you're kind of, you grow up being taught like anyone who's older than you is like, wiser you should respect them and all of these things so when you're in a relationship with an older person um and I'm, I'm not talking like two three years older I'm talking like a massive age gap right like 10 years um and you you've you know you've romanticized this and you've made it seem like it's this perfect world but really and truly there is a power dynamic there like and yeah so that power dynamic really kind of scares me and that's what happened in call me by your name as well and in loads of other movies where um like Shikami was talking about never have I ever never have I ever yeah uh, that's like a massive age difference between the actors I didn't even realize that um so to, to now look at that and think these people are acting like they're in high school they're like 6, 15 16 and re- in reality they're fully grown as adults <laughs> and they're portraying something that isn't healthy uh, I'm just gonna. It might. It's kind of similar, but it might seem a bit like I'm going off on a tangent here. But um, something that, like another song, I was thinking of that kind of, and it, I guess it can kind of feed sometimes into like, not always, but LGBT relationships as well. Is kind of there's a song by Demi Lovato, and it's called Daddy Issues. And now there's a particular lyric in there that's kind of like quite kind of concerning but there's a meaning behind it it says that you're the man of my dreams because you know how to leave and it's it's basically saying how Demi had like seeked someone who was like their father and they found them more affectionate for leaving and it was kind of building this desire in them that they craved kind of that person that they were missing in their life like a father figure and I kind of feel like someone who is in the LGBT community as well that sometimes this I've heard this is kind of like a sort of common thing amongst others that they, they're missing that figure in their life and they kind of fill it with an older person at times but then there's this like it goes into kind of like a weird power dynamic as well at times where they're willing to like kind of submit to more than they probably allow themselves because it's it almost gets quite psychological um, the relationship as well um, I think like I just wanted to go back to what Zed said a bit and just be like th- I think the issue with um, actors and their age difference is definitely more prevalent than we think and I can remember like on Twitter one time this was weeks ago what just came to mind someone was pointing out the age difference on a lot of movies and um, pointed out that I think it was Anne Hathaway that said that like she knows she got a lot of movies when she was younger because she was younger, like between or before the age of 25. And she would have castmates or they would have castmates in general with people that were in their 50s or 40s. And this is not to say that like, or um, if there's an age gap, people are not capable of making decisions. But then it's that whole thing that Becky said again about power dynamics, because in Hollywood, we know that there's so many um castmates that end up dating and so that they may think is just them acting 
and they may have similar ages or whatever in the film themselves, but then they go on to date and then we then see that there's so many issues. I know that there's a joke about, I can't remember what actor, but then he just broke up with his girlfriend who just turned 25. And apparently he constantly does that. And again, it's just when you think about it and when you see that like also because people that are younger are having more access to these kinds of information, it, it then like normalizes it in that, well, I should look at people that are older because they may be more mature and not thinking about the um, the negative parts of it. But then, and I know Zed mentioned this again, particularly with LGBTQ relationships and particularly with um, gay men, there's always that extension, that age gap extension. And I think the more I think about it and the more we have these discussions, it just shows how it's, it's one of the things that somewhat portrays into real life in that, well, you have a man that may be married and maybe in a heterosexual relationship. Um, and then he then is preying on a younger um, child and just all of that continuously, like um, continuously impacting how we live in real life. But then, or you have like um, lesbian women and the over-sexualization of them. And I think that there's just so many issues, particularly with film, I think because it's more visual and you end up taking in, I think, things that are more visual. But yeah, I think Hollywood and just in general, and this is, and I think there is a thing that people say, well, can't you just enjoy whatever it is and not think too deeply about it? But unfortunately, you don't know that you're thinking deeply about it subconsciously and it's impacting the way you think. So I think that that's just some of the things that we need to think about. Yeah, just really quickly, I think that last part that Ishikami said as well is like, um, people are saying like, oh, just accept, like, just enjoy the movie or enjoy the song. Just, you know, why do you have to think so? It's never that deep. But it is, you know, we um, have reinforced these toxic behaviors in people um, subconsciously. You know, even if you hear about from people like, why, why can't you separate the art from the artist? For people like Chris Brown or Tory Lanez who have, you know, been proven <laughs> to physically abuse women, you know, and people will still be like, okay, it's the art, you know, the art is really good. So you're, you're reinforcing these things just because you like a song or you like a movie um, and it doesn't make it right, you know, and we don't think about it until it comes up in the news or it comes up in media. I think it's also really important, isn't, isn't it, that people see themselves on screen in, in music and things like that. And especially when I feel, certainly with music, it's most listened to people who are younger, who are trying to figure themselves out and be like, okay, I don't really know who I am. I'm gonna, that person looks cool. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. That's the life I want. And so I think it is important that the the sort of reality is shown on screen. And, and really that could be boring in the film, but if you look at things like normal people, like um, sex education, it's like, really astounding because actually they are real people and um and it's nice to see and it's quite affirming for people who then have those same experiences and it's like okay cool I'm not a weirdo or whatever um so I wondered if anyone else had any other examples of where things 
are good where they are accurate because otherwise we could we could get in a real um negative headspace that all films are bad and I think there are some really good examples so like for me one of the great things that I saw was I don't know what series it was but it was sex education so the main character um, in sex education Maeve um kisses the lad um and again I can't remember his name either um but there, there's a real dialogue of sort of can I can I touch you here? Can I kiss you here? And it was it was just really nice. It was really nice to see maybe that doesn't actually happen where people have that. Um, I don't think it is quite in our dialogue to have those conversations about consent, but it's showing what what it should look like. Um, and that show was really popular, so I think that was really good. I think you have already mentioned um, normal people. I think again that show show deserves the praise it got and thinking of music and like um being able to portray reality in music and 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 so on there's this artist that I quite like called self-esteem and she's getting loads of praise now because she's so real about the way she talks about what's happened in her life when she was you know coming into herself and so on and, and there's a lot of conversation about power imbalances and so on but she gives it like a very empowering twist I think um and I think that's quite positive. I think that's one of the things that we we're seeing um, in the past few years, which is the empowering twist of people actually talking about what's happening, as having these discussions. They're having these discussions in film industry as well. There's the introduction of um, intimacy coordinators that have just made it a lot safer for uh, safer and comfortable and just like um, respectful for young actresses to to do their jobs because it is their job after all, uh, whilst feeling safe and not and not being hurt or anything like that. And for anyone who doesn't know, an intimacy coordinator is um, an expert who goes into set and they kind of help guide um, actors during sex scenes and so on and more intimate um, scenes. And they, they kind of help set boundaries and talk to each other about what one is comfortable with and what the other is comfortable with and kind of understand that and have that conversation. It's basically someone who helps actors have a conversation about their boundaries and what they feel safe doing and what they feel like they can do and how to, because, um, you know, anyone who's kind of like done acting or anything like that knows that anything like, you know, kissing someone you're not in love with and just for, you know, a scene or whatever is actually quite awkward and it's not pleasant because you have loads of cameras around you and all those sex scenes are not romantic at all when filming them, right? And you see quite a lot of actors saying that. And an intimacy coordinator helps make sure that that moment, which is already naturally quite odd, is turned into something that's at least safe and there's no nothing that's unconsensual so basically they ensure that there's consent for both parts i'm kind of want to just build on philippa and becky's point as well as like um these healthy practices and like movies kind of changing the narrative that consent is sexy you know it's it's sexy to ask someone um and it, you know it's not always like just in the heat of the moment you go in for the kiss it doesn't always work like that so, so in like sex education that scene i remember as well becky it was honestly really good it was, and it was really nice to see like a real portrayal of like what it should be like and it was awkward it was kind of cringy but it was 
cute, you know, it was like how it should be. Um, I do also want to kind of change the narrative from, I've, I've talked about like the LGBTQ representation in movies uh, and the, the way relationships are portrayed quite negatively when it comes to just focusing on Call Me By Your Name, but we've come a long way from them. Like we've had such good series and movies that represented properly, like uh, It's a Sin with Ollie Alexander, um, Pose, you know, talking about real issues facing the LGBTQ plus community and the relationships within those and representing all those who have not just gay men or not just lesbian, you know, women, like even trans relationships, non-binary relationships and how they are portrayed. And if you really delve into it, you can see like a progression. You can see a society kind of um, opened up its mind and really tried to take in how uh, these relationships work, these non-heteronormative relationships work. Uh, you can see that progression in film and media. So sort of leading on from that, I sort of wanted to talk about sex education and it's like depiction of a disabled relationship because in the series, Maeve um, dates this guy called Isaac who's of disabilities. And in one particular scene, Maeve actually asks him, like, where in your body do you feel the most pleasure? And I thought that that was really thought-provoking because yeah disabled people can also feel pleasure and it was just great to see I absolutely loved it and I think following on from what Camilla said that also normalized the having a conversation and understanding that that's the end goal you know you want to create that good pleasurable situation so you should be talking to the other person to see what will give them that and what will give you that um and and I think you're right Camilla like the disability bit is really relevant um, because it's often forgotten, they're often desexualized and, and seen as people who are not able of getting pleasure, which is just ridiculous. And I was thinking again you know, about LGBT relationships and, and new shows that have actually portrayed well, and I think a show that kind of summarized some of the bits we've been talking about in terms of age gaps and so on was Heartstopper, which was such a lovely show. And they actually portray like young kids having young kids' relationships, isn't that great, right? It was like 15-year-olds and they were doing 15-year-old things. I think they were 15, I'm not sure. But it was so lovely because they actually talked about it. They talked about the coming out process, the difficulties that come with it at a school level. And um, it was just really lovely because there was that kind of, you know, consent was there as well in an awkward way, but a very lovely way, in a very like normal way. It was actually like how it happens. So I think... One of the big takeaways that I, I can take from this discussion for sure is that we looked, and Chikem was talking about this earlier, is, is that we, we look to films and TV shows as something that will portray reality and then we just do not see reality when we actually watch them. And that's a massive shock for everyone. Um, and that just gives people the wrong perception of what reality is like. Um, but yeah, Heartstopper, a lovely show. I'm so sorry. I just want to come in because that show was honestly life changing. I watched that series like I swear to God four times, and I sobbed every time. Like I was literally sobbing my eyes out. I was like, "This is so cute," and that representation was iconic. One of the best shows out there. So wholesome. There are some really good um, movies and stuff that we've talked about here, so I'm definitely going to go and rewatch every single one of them. Um, but I just wanted to say to close off. Um, that if anyone wanted to get involved or have more discussion about 
um, some of the topics that we've been talking about here, primarily consent, then I would refer you to um, our campaign, Consent Get It Full Stop. Um, and also there is some information online about if you've experienced something that in a relationship that, that was harmful or problematic, um, there is a number of resources online um, and you are able to come to Student Support and Wellbeing to get some support from the specialist team. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for on this episode of the Kent Voices podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Student Services at the University of Kent. For more information, visit www.kent.ac.uk forward slash student services.